Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. 35 goals this weekend in Ligue 1. It's a season high and it comes after an intense 10-day period with three match days, which has consolidated the league table. Marseille are still second with a sixth win in a row and Lille and Rennes rise behind them, while the sky collapses in on Toulouse and Nîmes. Today, we'll go over all the latest Ligue 1 action and look towards Lyon's crucial Champions League match against RB Leipzig. And we'll finish up with some of the first transfer stories concerning January. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Here with me today, Philippe Bargiel. Hi, Philippe. Hi. Philippe, what was your favorite goal uh, of the weekend? Because there was quite a few good ones. Um... I would have to go with, uh, I'm not going to be very original here, with uh, Icardi's volley at Montpellier. Oh, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, off the Mbappe cross, of course, that was a, yeah. a, a good choice I hadn't really considered. Also with us, Mohamed Ali. Hi, Mo. Hello. Hello. Did you have a favorite this weekend? Um, yeah, actually, I had two. Um, I enjoyed uh, Hani Udan's um, sort of acrobatic mm. volley, or was it? Um, well, the reason why it was all, uh, very interesting was also that fact that it bounced off a Santa defender seconds before, which I thought sort of just finished the goal off pretty well. But also uh, Pierre Lise Melu, or or Wilan Cyprian's first goal, uh, the Nice game did have a, a couple of very very good goals. Yeah, the uh, there was a lot of those kind of long shot goals. Yeah. Indeed. Um, two from Nice, as you said. Uh, Yassin Adli, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's Neymar's one I missed. Neymar's free kick as well. Neymar's free oh, kick, she... absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't really decide between any of those shots, so I decided to go with another Reims goal, which was maybe not as spectacular. It was Boulaydia's header, but I just loved oh. the cross from Chavalrin. pinpoint, yeah. Yeah. And I think Chavalrin is one of the most underrated players in the league. I think he's so, so good. And and not much is talk, made about him. So uh, uh, I would definitely recommend you, you follow him closely. Right, let's get started with the Sunday night match between Marseille and Bordeaux, which Mar- Marseille won 3-1, going into halftime 1-0. They turned it around. And, and Mo, last, so yesterday I wasn't feeling that well and I kind of... You know, I kind of slept a little bit during the match. I was kind of in and out of of of, of consciousness, and I thought I ha- I thought I dreamt that some guy who really looks like Jordan Amavi scored a goal. <laughs> Should I see a doctor? Yeah, um, you could. Yes, um, but it was um, yeah. I mean, it really. You know, I think especially in the last ten days, what we've spoken about is how things are improving at Marseille. Um, but you know, like things uh, that we saw yesterday really underline just how different um, you know the club is over the last couple of months. The wins keep on coming. That's the baseline. But also the, the flops per se, the, the players who really you know fans couldn't be you know ways to get rid of have not only slowly improved, but are now scoring, are now you know imposing themselves in the match, are now you know entering the teams of the week, etc. And Amafi is obviously the pick of the bunch because he was obviously, and I say this very politely, a very catastrophic player um, <laughs> last year. Um, and AVB came in, you know, fans were howling, you know, criticism towards him. Even 
a nondescript pre-season friendly in England, which I was in at the summer, um, on just a friendly Sunday at the FA's um, headquarters in, in Burton. We, we had uh, some of uh, friends that I travelled with shouting abuse at him. Um, so, you know, it really, he really had looked like he had, you know, nothing going for him. OM couldn't obviously sell him. Um, and AVB dropped him about two and a half, three months ago. Played Sakai Saar, even though, um, you know, Marseille did not have a first, other, another first team uh, left back. Um, but, you know, he slowly introduced him saying that, you know, doesn't, you know, even if you are the only left back in your position, we will look for other options. You need to show me how good you are. It's publicly said that in the press conferences, in the interviews, and obviously uh, privately as well. And slowly, since his reintroduction, no more catastrophic errors, no more openness on the left wing, no more goals coming in from that side. You could count, and I honestly say this honestly, truthfully, all, all the goals that Marseille conceded in all competitions last year, a massive 65 or 70% or even above came from that wing. Um, and none of that, none of that anymore. The whole defence is meaner, leaner, stronger. He's defending much better, and he's also going up for forward. And it was a lovely free kick to the back post from Pai yesterday. And Amavi is just, you know, it's a milestone. A corner's been turned for him. That's fantastic. It's well overdue. Um, and yeah, so he, he performed very, very admirably last night en route to what was a very, very good win. And obviously, it doesn't hurt that Payet is also defending very hard on the on that left side and and yeah. doing a very good job there. So, what do you think Andre Villas-Boas said or did at halftime to you know kind of wake up Marseille and and eventually no, obtain I this think, win? I, I honestly think it was nothing too too dramatic because you know aside from that fantastic Atlas strike, Bordeaux really did nothing else That's in true. that first half. Marseille were coming on in waves of attack. It was the breast game sort of reimagined again, where OM had, I think after the first 15 minutes, eight shots to Bordeaux's one. And it was just Madge's early chance, which, which Mandana saved. But it was just a lack of finishing. Obviously, it didn't help that Benedetto was injured um, the day before the game. So Valais-Germain had to come. You can really see the difference as well in the hold-up play and the aerial presence that Benedetto has compared to Germain. So the wingers really had to work a lot more in delivering chances. Fortunately, OM have Payet, who is, you know, we, we've said this before many times in this podcast, when he's on it, he really, really is on it. And he was mm. driving chances left, right, centre, getting right into the channels, pulling his favourite out of, you know, the, you know, you know, outside of the ball, uh, crosses um, um, to, to the back post. It really was just one-way traffic. And you know, when Bordeaux did take the lead, it was a sucker punch, but, you know, you really can't defend pinpoint moments of magic like those. You know, they happen all the time. It happens. And, you know, Marseille did not, um, you know, just give up. They continued. And Villa first might have said, you know, let's sharpen the attack a little bit more. Let's press higher up because they were pushing higher and higher. The last defender was always constantly on the halfway line and really choked Bordeaux in that second half. And the goals will naturally come that way. And yeah, and one of Bordeaux's weaknesses, as we saw as well in the Lille match, which was um, a few weeks ago, is when a good team presses them, they can really panic and there's really no plan B to their kind of trying to play it out from the back. And, you know, they made some pretty terrible mistakes 
on uh, on the second goal, especially from Sanson. Um, Philippe, at the 57th minute, uh, Yassin Adli was substituted, even though he was arguably, you know, Bordeaux's best player or one of the better ones, at least. Um, the score was 1-1 then. Did, did you understand that decision? I mean, it's very tough. It's very tough on, on uh, Pablo, uh, Pablo Souza because he was, yes, indeed, the, uh, the best player uh, for, for Bordeaux. Technically, he's uh, much better than, than uh, the other players. But uh, he did uh, make a foul, uh, which was almost worthy of a yellow card, and he was already, mm. already on the booking. So basically, the Bordeaux manager didn't want uh, his side to be uh, down to 10 men with uh, Jordan Amavi having already been um, already equalized, sorry. I mean, the game uh, last night was so much more than uh, just uh, just about uh, nice defending, a good uh, good pressing by, by Marseille. I mean, there were really two sides of that game. And if I were a Marseille fan, I wouldn't have been that confident of even actually scoring a goal. Uh, judging by the first half showing, because uh, first half Bordeaux in this uh, 3 4 2 1 formation doing very, very well, very, very compact. Martin had uh, some some trouble in uh, in midfield, um, in that they couldn't really get uh, get their wingers to, to be that um, dangerous down the flanks. And whenever they did, the cross was either too low, too high, uh, too narrow, uh, and and also, there were there were always five Bordeaux players in the penalty area. So, mm. Cossil is, I mean, Cossil is one of the best goalkeepers in the league and in Europe. It's very very hard to to score a goal past him. I'll say the same thing about Rufier, um, week in week in week out. But even then, Cossil did not have that much to do in the first half because there were so many bodies to get the ball um, across that it was it was really extremely hard. To uh, to actually for, for Marseille to have a shot on target, so at halftime I, I was thinking, well, Bordeaux, I've got this basically. They just need to keep it keep it nice and, and steady at the back with Koscielny uh, as a stalwart, and they'll be they'll be home and dry. But then and then when something happens, they they can't they can't come in the corner, and I just don't really understand. Now the commentators went over, over uh, went on and on about Pablo. Uh, doing a poor uh, back pass to uh, to Custil and Custil, who actually wasn't very good at uh, um, uh, avoiding that corner. And so they went on and on, probably not good about uh, about uh, being under pressure and uh, how much they were much better in the second half and in the first half, which they were. I mean, Rongier, Rongier and Sanson especially, their, their second half performance was absolutely amazing compared to their first half one. Yeah. But still, I mean, the simple fact is Bordeaux cannot defend the corner, and that's that's quite that that, that is quite worrying. And then you have Christil, who very stupidly uh, does this uh, does this short uh, short pass uh, when he's supposed to take a goal kick. Um, and I, I really wanted one want to ask you guys about this this new rule. You know, when the goalkeeper has a goal kick and uh, he can actually pass the ball to. To a defender inside the penalty area, and how how it has affected football in the last in the in the last uh, few months because this is this is brand new, and so Bordeaux can see the goal because of this. They, I mean, that there's no there's no uh, no other ways about it. They just can see the goal because because Cusil makes a, a ridiculously dangerous uh, pass to Otavio, who loses it, or to to some other players, and Otavio loses it to Sanson, and Sanson finishes it. 
Seriously, does anyone well done your scores scores are set? But first question though, what were what were were you confident at half time of Marseille actually doing something? Because they didn't do much in the first half. And and second of all, I think we have to talk about this this new rule of uh, the goalkeeper stupidly passing the ball to his to his defender <laughs> inside the penalty area, which basically which is basically invites more pressing and uh, puts them into more danger than, than they have. And this is what I, I usually say when I see this, which makes me so mad. And I've been I've been watching this this evening too. Is that it's not because you're allowed to do something that you have to do it. And this this is what I think goalkeepers and managers in 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 world class football are doing. I just don't understand. I agree, and it's. It's so, I mean, it makes me so angry because um, they do it even when the opposing team is already positioned very high on the pitch, which means that by the time the defender gets a ball, you're sure someone's going to be on his heels. And I, you know, I just, even before the rule was changed, I was not a fan of kind of playing short at the back because, well, Well, depends. It depends if, if she has the right defenders for it. Why not? But if you yeah, got that's Kelly the Silva, yeah, okay. If you got if you got Pablo, maybe not. Well, no, I can tell yeah. you as as personally as a defender who was asked to do that on not very good teams, I hated it and I didn't understand why anybody would want to do it. Obviously, at the professional level, it can make a little bit more sense if mm-hmm. you have the good enough players, but you do see teams trying it when they don't, um, especially more recently, as you do underline. Um, uh, and yeah, I wanted to comment as well on the other thing you were saying, Philippe, about uh, you know what w- about Marseille, their chances and whether they might score or not. Because one thing I have noticed in the past few games is that even though Marseille play very well and you know they they do have a lot of shots and 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 you know they go forwards a lot and so on. Uh, Mo, it is true that a lot of the goals themselves have come from individual mistakes. Now, I don't know if that's a coincidence, if, you know, maybe you, you could argue that the mistakes are provoked by Marseille yeah. attacking and attacking, or if if there's another, if what, it's what the can you say? I think, I think this, it was the same thing last year where the, most of the Marseille's goals conceded were from individual mistakes. But if you look closely, you know, most, the vast majority of goals scored in the World Cup will come from defences being unable to sort of carry out their, the, the tasks required of them. In that players provoke, like you mentioned, these individual mistakes, they sort of damage the, the tactics or the structure that's put in place and then pick out the holes to uh, to create those opportunities. That's just the generic way of you know how things are run. But uh, I don't have a problem with you know you know most of the goals being scored mm. are being avoidable um, uh, you know in terms of the opposition. It's it's just you know. The bottom line is, is that the reason why that Marseille is provoking uh, these is because there are far more creative chances. There are far more, there's far more will to attack. There's far more, you know, drive going forward. There's far more proficiency in the final third. And by the law of averages, you're going to get uh, chances coming in left, right, and centre. And I think if you look at the sheer number of shots that Marseille have had, the 62 in the last two games, which is <laughs> levels that even PSG haven't even seen in years. Um, it's you're gonna have to look at the chances that Marseille have missed, rather than the ones they've scored. And the ones that they've missed, it's just because probably, uh, sorry, the ones that they've eventually scored, like was the case uh, against Brest and against Bordeaux. Uh, it 
comes after a prolonged pressure where the opposition just gets weary and they're basically overrun. And that's also that was the case uh, for for Montpellier against Paris mm-hmm. uh, at the weekend, where they scored you know in waves uh, towards the final quarter of the game after you know absorbing it for 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 that long. And it has an effect. It has an effect on teams like Porto and like Montpellier who you have aging defenders who have sort of no who are a bit too rigid in their ways they're not mobile enough to counter the specific threats and if you know if you're playing against fast quick players you're eventually going to be subsumed um, well, I mean I I agree with what you're saying for the most part the only part was with with Montpellier the goals they conceded I think for me that's the opposite where it's really moments of kind of individual brilliance that just take um, that are just superior to what Montpellier could have dealt with. I mean, when Neymar scores the free kick, you know, what can Montpellier do about that? Maybe not give away the foul, but, you know, that you're going to give away fouls. That doesn't, oh. that's going to happen. And even, you know, when the way Mbappe crosses it to, to Icardi is just amazing. It's, it's so hard to do uh, anything about it, really. Uh, there was one more little thing about the Marseille match. It was a, Mo, it was a touching moment, wasn't it, um, before the game when Jamal Belmadi, the Algerian uh, national team manager, was kind of uh, recognized and, and, and applauded by the stadium, uh, uh-huh. celebrating his, his African title, but as also the fact that he's a former Marseille player. Um, and there was a story today that uh, he might be trying to convince Maxime Lopez to join the Algerian national team. Any thoughts on that? Um, yes. Um, yeah, it was, like you mentioned, a very good moment. It wasn't just for El Madison, it was for um, sort of the club's African heritage, for, mm-hmm. for all the African players that had come through Marseille. And I think it was, it was particularly touching. Not only, obviously, did they sign a partnership with the Senegalese Institute, uh, the Ambas, who who have like the the generation foot mets partnership mm. um which has garnered the talents of Sadio Mane and and Idrissa Garnage etc they're looking to capitalize on but it's also touching that despite the I think the discrimination that you get for for being a black or African player or uh, across Europe as we've seen in in recent weeks um that Marseille is a club that bucks the trend um but yes Palmadi um is was very much welcomed i think a few funny comments about how it was he was parading the trophy back home um <laughs> you know marseille being a very having a very big algerian contingent and maxime lopez is obviously one of those members um it will be interesting to see what he will do because obviously the french national team is very packed i personally don't think that lopez is of the quality um, there will be a change after I think the 22 World Cup um, in terms of like the so Matuidi, Sissoko, um, probably mm-hmm. even Conte will be will be long gone by this point. Um, so you're going to have your Guendouzis, uh, your Jeffs, just leading exactly and Belad, an hour perhaps uh, leading the charge to enter the France squads where there'll be a changing of the guard. Um, and I don't think that Maxime Lopez has the quality to be. In that group, uh, Algeria represents a very good um, a chance, really. I think you know if he wants to play international football and and really do, you know, deliver something, I think it's something that he should give some thought to for sure. 
Taylor Wells something about Yasinadi having the having the same decision to make in the coming um, moment. That is true. Maybe uh, in the next couple of months, couple of years. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but he needs to choose whether he wants to represent France or Algeria. Uh-huh. And he yeah. has to make a decision. Well, yeah, I saw something about him today as well, where he said, no, I haven't thought about it at all yet. So um, I guess that, that remains to be seen as well. Shall we move on to Nîmes-Lyon, which uh, Lyon won 4-0. But Philippe, I mean, even though it's a 4-0 win, we can't, there's not a lot of conclusions to draw from this match. You know, Nîmes were playing with nine men. It doesn't really say much about Lyon, does it? Well, it does say that they score goals when Depay's playing and that um, things, things go much more smoothly when, uh, when, he, when he is playing. He was very uh, good. Mean, well, yeah. And, uh, well, again, um, credit will probably not be given uh, to, to anyone because it was Nîmes. Because, uh, because Depay, Depay didn't score against, uh, against Lille. And uh, because he scored a brace against against Nîmes, so it, it's it's all very, it's all it's all very much a critic uh, a critical uh, environment uh, these days at at Lyon. It it really is not the same as uh, as Marseille and Lille, where I think the project is is there. The manager is working wonders with uh, with players who were not good last season. That's in case of Marseille, and with Lille, they just got knocked out of European football. Uh, they're playing for a manager that is recognised that got them out of uh, they got them out of basically uh, hell because had they gone down uh, they would have entered an administration they probably would have been bankrupt and and now Lila are finishing second and they're coming back strong now because now they're now they're third it's just it's just very it's just very hard to feel to feel any sense of uh, positivity around the club even though they just won four nil away that's how that's how strange that's how strange it is a lot of fans are extremely critical of a lot of players uh, and, uh, and mostly about the about the managers it just as a manager it's just not liked um, within the uh, within, with uh, the fans which is quite important so you know even though even though they're winning games uh, people are focusing on the defeats and uh, that this this just this just cannot be good. I'm not sure if uh, now is the time to uh, have a bit a bit of a debate or a prediction on who's going to finish third, second, and third. Even though yes, Marseille only five points behind PSG, I do believe PSG will win the title somehow. Um, <laughs> and I just uh, I just see I don't know I just I, I, I don't even I don't think the, um, even the Lyon fans want them to finish in the Champions League spot. It, it's almost a case of it reminds me of uh, of the Vaid Ali Ludic days uh, with with PSG, where basically the fans want their teams to lose so that they sack their manager. I think that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. And we'll, I mean, we'll see tomorrow evening. We'll see how it goes against Leipzig. But uh, yeah, that, that's 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 a gut feeling. That's what what I'm getting from you know mm-hmm. the general atmosphere from Twitter, from social media, from from everyone. I don't know about you guys. Uh, we'll talk about that big Leipzig match uh, in just a second. Before that, I yeah, want to sure. ask the both of you. Um, the other day on the preview show, the guys talked about, you know, whether this was it for Bernard Blacard. Uh, and there's kind of rumors and so on going around about him. 
uh, Neem, their sporting director, no, their head of recruitment, sorry, resigned last week. Uh, it's the second time the same guy resigns from the same position in the space of six months from Neem. Uh, do you guys see Blackard staying, you know, beyond Christmas? No. Um, and the small fact is they've been horrendous. Um, and also, you know, Neem are not exactly a massive club. Um, and they've done well to resist um, what is very common in England of promoter clubs sacking their their coach at the first time of trouble. Um, but mm. we're now sort of three halves three halves of the season into their league on tenure. Um, they've been absolutely woeful. They've conceded 10 goals over the last four days, uh, four or five days. Um, mm. And before that, they you know, lost you know, to Strasbourg as well. You know, the only time that they've really taken points were against Mets at home. And then you know, the only two wins have come from, uh, come against uh, an early season encounter against Brighton and Brest. And, Toulouse, who are just as hopeless as them. Um, and if you look on, on, on Friday, I initially thought that they, you know, they probably weren't going to win as I spoke about last week, but, you know, you never know, you know games against big sides can be catalysts uh, for change. And they promptly ruined it when Pierre Valls got uh, sent off inside five minutes. They lost their heads. They had a, a second player whose name escapes me who got sent off after two very silly yellow cards when he signed it already, a goal down and a man down. Um, mm. And it, it's, it's annoying because, you know, you had a couple of players, um, I think it was Briançon, who, who, who pulled a, got a great save from, from Lopez, um, even when they were at a disadvantage. So they were smatterings of opportunities, but, but, you know, the game management was not there. They were absolutely out of their depth, um, not befitting of a league and status. Um, and if they want to create a great escape, uh, they will need a change. They will need a relegation specialist, whether that's Pascal Dupreux or someone else or whoever it may be, to, who that knows, that knows the trade, you know, that knows the trade and has been in these positions and then can get something. You know, they haven't had the funds to to really shape their squad, as was the case um, when they when they gave up a lot of their key players last year. Um, but now it's just about sort of shaping their squad and, and facing the challenges head-on. They're rooted to the bottom of the table. Yes, they've got a, a game against Spain that is um, postponed uh, until January, but really, they're only four points from 16th. They, I feel like they would have to make a change during the Christmas period if they want to maintain their status because I cannot see, uh, you know, Black Art, um in 2020 somehow rejuvenating the squad when they've been on that much of a decline. If they... Uh, you, sorry, Philippe. The, the club has, uh, has communicated on that, is that uh, they need a strong uh, mercato. Mercato being they need to be... They need to do astute signings in the January transfer window. But, uh, but the question is, you know, who is going to handle this? Because the club, like it's, it's, they have a very small staff in terms of how the club works. It's not, it's not a Lyon club, you know, institutionally and so on. And it's very much held up by the men who are there right now, be it uh, Bernard Blacard. Be it the owner who's, uh, you know, he's, uh, I forget his name, but he's a kind of important businessman in telecoms who set up the Wi-Fi himself at the training ground. Um, 
and and stuff like that. Um, I will say the good news is, you know, if they wait another week or two, a uh, relegation specialist uh, Antoine Comboiré should be available. So uh, maybe he'll find <laughs> another job. <laughs> never know. This, this reminds me of actually a, a little story of an infant. The one I was sat next to at the game against Mets told me. But there was mm-hmm. this banner, banner of the, uh, the, the Ultras, I forgot their name. Anyway, uh, Gladiators, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Whatever. And uh, and they said uh, they said we yeah we want uh, we, we want uh, a better ground sure but uh, we we'd rather have it in the top division meaning that the, uh, Le Cristier is one of the smallest ground of the of the league and uh, that the, the chairman you just mentioned Pierre Paul uh, uh, wants to uh, bought uh, the ground from the uh, from uh, the uh, town from the mm. city of Nîmes. And uh, wants to uh, add in a uh, great big uh, real uh, real estate thing with uh, uh, commercial centres and, and whatnot. So basically, uh, manager uh, uh, generating more money, more revenue, and uh, with less seats, which is not stupid because uh, because Nimia, as you said, is not a is not a particularly big club. They have to make do with. There's a lot of uh, catchment area from from Marseille, so most football fans in that area uh, either support Montpellier or Marseille. Uh, well, actually, more actually, they support Marseille. Um, so yeah, that's that's where the club is going. I think I think the chairman has a pretty good idea of what he wants to do, uh, money-wise, but uh, not quite sure uh, who who should be in charge of of uh, buying who next month. So it's going. To, yeah, it's going to be. I mean, to 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 me, they're doomed. But that's that's me. Okay, let's go back to Lyon then, and that very important uh, must-win match in the Champions League if they want to go on to the next round on Tuesday at home to RB Leipzig. Uh, Philippe, you watch a little bit of Bundesliga, don't you? Yeah. Thoughts on uh, how Leipzig is doing? How Julian Nagelsmann has been doing with them? It started very well at uh, Union Berlin, so Union, the, uh, the club from, East, from uh, former East Berlin. And then uh, Timo Werner had a very, very uh, dry spell, and since then they've been doing uh, great. So, uh, and the only, I think the last, the last game where they seriously underperformed was uh, the, actually the corresponding feature in the Champions League. Uh, at, uh, at home to Lyon, which uh, Lyon won under Silvino, uh, playing a mm. three-five-two, I think playing three at the back. I, I'm pretty sure they were playing three at the back. Werner uh, had a mare. He uh, missed uh, missed open goals. He missed uh, golden opportunities. I mean, he, he missed opportunities that a player of his quality should score. Um, and uh, but now they're now they're okay. Now they're they're rolling in the uh, they're rolling in the in the Bundesliga. The goals are coming in. They I think they thrashed to Wolfsburg six 0 or something like that in the. In the Pokal, that's it. That's the German Cup. So yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty much one of the sides you do not want to meet uh, hmm. in the Champions League uh, at this moment in time. Especially since I believe a draw in St. Petersburg would have seen them through two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, they're second in the league, just one point behind uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, how do you guys see Lyon? doing in this match i mean it would be so so leon to just win it out of nowhere but then 
I don't know. As as I always say, you know, I I never get yeah. predictions right with Lyon, so I can't see it happening. Um purely because um Leipzig are formidable. Um they look pretty sharp. Um uh, they've been on great form. I saw, I saw a bit of their game against Hoffenheim at the weekend. Team Juana looked looked really, really good. And plus, you know, they've they've got previous with Rudy Garcia and they know exactly how to um manage um, a key chapter of the game, what would be, I think, their first qualification in the last 16. Um, and Leon have looked hopeless. Um, Friday's match aside, they were very listless against Lille last week. They were poor in Champions League recently, and there's not a lot uh, going on, um, despite the fact that they have racked up um, you know, a big result of the weekend. You know, there's still pieces of the jigsaw missing. And I think Leipzig, you know, it will do them probably the world of good more so than Leon. Um, coefficients aside, of course. Um, and I think that they will be more professional and expertly managing uh, this Group G clash. And I'd be very surprised if Leon pull off three points needed to qualify because that would also jeopardise Leipzig's uh, qualification with Zenit being on seven points as well. Um, so it would really be... I think perhaps Leon's best performance of the season if they they manage to to um, qualify. Or maybe a draw will do if if um, if Benfica beats Zenit. Yeah. Yeah. If Benfica beats Zenit, maybe a draw will do. Um, Which is so unlikely, isn't it? Because yeah, because Benfica are already out of all competitions. Well, mm. There you go. But I I, so I feel. In front of me. Yeah. I feel like that would be such a, I mean, I can really see that happening where Lyon play terrible and it's like a boring nil-nil or something. And they're lucky enough that Benfica wins it and, and they still go through somehow. Um, I just think that, you know, they've been given such a such an incredible opportunity here that they probably, I mean, really don't deserve that much. They have their fate in their hands if they, you know, if they can get a win. It's ugh, it would be such a shame for for it not to work, and for there only to be one French team in the next European rounds. But yeah, realistically, it is quite likely that it'll it doesn't quite, work. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite. It'll be quite a tall order. Um, but you never know. Personally, I'd rather they at least get some European football in some regard, which <laughs> of course is. It's possible, be given the fact that obviously Benfica are, oh, um, that, yeah, are, are well behind. Um, and if it's the Europa League, so be it. Um, <laughs> but then again, it's it's their own fault. I mean, had they had they approached the the Benfica game in Portugal a bit better, had you know Lopez not dropped that clanger, had oh, had they been more aggressive in in Russia two weeks ago, you know, there's there's been a lot of missed opportunities, and I think it's come at a time where they haven't really been sure, uh, sure of themselves. And they're starting to show, you know, a bit of form. You know, they are, I think, the third or the fourth best form team in the league. Um, it's perhaps too soon for against a, you know, a German club that's just been, or, you know, you know, has been really, really decent. Nagelsmann has been playing some great football. Mm. Um, but, you know, things happen, and things have happened last year in the Champions League where they weren't expected to get results. 
you know, Leon ha- are and always have been, especially in recent years, big game uh, team. You know, they've they've always pulled off results where really a lot of people didn't think that they would. So they'll need to sort of dig deep. It's not beyond the realms of possibility, um, but it will be a tall order. Bear in mind, they've got a great head-to-head record against Leipzig, having surprised them when they really were in the you know, in, in, in trouble in early October. So Very they've got true. previous. Uh, let's hope that you know Memphis Depay does something, because it seems like in big games and in smaller ones, it, it always somehow comes back to how he plays for them. And he can he could really if he puts in his best level, he could really make a difference here. Um shall we head into score predictions? Philippe, what, what do you think? I'd say one nil to Leipzig. Mo? I'm gonna go for a draw. And a draw that will take them through. Ooh, okay. So you're predicting on both games, huh? Yeah, I, I was gonna say one one. Uh but yeah. Hopefully they make it through one way or another. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to uh, an upset from the weekend. Reims Saint Etienne. Uh, Reims won it three one at home. Guys, they've <laughs> Reims have won six matches all season, all of them against the top ten. It's. I mean, I'm not that surprised because I know how they play. But also, it's it's kind of a ridiculous statistic in my opinion. What did you guys think of this match? Um, it was, it was deserved. Yeah, yeah, so it was deserved. I mean, um, the I didn't, I didn't think that. Uh, I think it was more, more a case of Saint Etienne being not all that rather than than Reims being. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about specifically in in midfield. Wasn't mm. Reims being uh, particularly brilliant in front of goal? I mean, of course the goals were were well taken, but I thought that MV and Camera weren't. Uh, Really doing doing their jobs properly in the centre of uh, in in midfield, and that's uh, I mean football games are usually won in won in mid- midfield, aren't they? And then you have to score to score the goals. But you know, I mean, scoring three goals past uh, past Kruse is an achievement, and um, and they you know it didn't they didn't look like uh, they tried that hard to me. I mean, it was it was an extremely professional performance, very very uh, crafty, very hard-working hard from, from everyone, of course. But, uh, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, it looked like a routine, uh, routine three points from a very good side. It's just, uh, it just looks like it's a problem of motivation that they can't, uh, they can't seem to beat uh, sides that are not Saint-Étienne, who, are, uh, who have won four games on the travels, or are the uh, one and only side in the league this season to have won at the Parc des Princes. It's just, uh, you know, I, I, Honestly, I honestly believe it's a question of motivation, and you know they've got motivation against the against the uh, the big sides, and maybe it's that type of club who don't really want to be that high up and in the table. They're nice now, the top half of, with uh, with what two games to go in the in the first um, half of the season. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe they're just quite happy to to beat the best teams in the, in the league and not bother against the small ones. I don't know. I think it's also I a problem also- that against uh, their style really fits playing uh, uh, big teams and and kind of catching them by surprise a little bit. And maybe against the smaller teams, sometimes they're kind of they're given the ball and they don't 
know what to do it all that well against a team that's not going to come out and try to press them. Um, but yeah, the one difference also between, I mean, one thing that really helped Reims over the weekend was that their match was postponed uh, in the midweek last that's, week. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So they, they were obviously kind of fresher than, than Saint-Etienne. Um, and Mo, as you mentioned, Rémi Houdin uh, scored his first goal since he scored a free kick fairly early in the season, maybe the first or the second match, I think. Um, and he's a player who, you know, he's very talented, but he's he's had a rough patch since since his failed transfer, really, at the end of August. And he hasn't really done much this season, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame because obviously he was on a great trajectory last season with uh, double figures in the league. But I think he's still a, still a very good player. Um, it's a bit of a shame. Um, I forgot to be on Tina that um, I'd wanted him for a very cut price deal. But, you know, the whole point of put yourself in the shop window is that you have to continue performing and continue attracting mm. projects. So I don't really understand why he's been so in the dumps for, for so long, but it was good to see him score again. He's he's a very good attacking player. He you know, can really you know, damage um, and cause, cause some damage going forward in the final third with his footwork, with his dribbling and pace. Um, it's it's a tough one because, you know, it, it's still a long way away to the summer window. I don't think Rams will get get rid of anybody bar a fantastic offer in, in January. Um, and there's a lot there's a lot going well for this side at the moment. Not only do they have a very mean defence, but like you mentioned, a great record uh, against the, the top half. Mm. They've been hard to beat, essentially. They've been hard to beat. They've only lost four games, one of which has come in the last two months. Uh, they're drawing a lot. Um, yeah. That's just a team that's very difficult to break down. And all the players are doing their job. So, in the end, you know, Udan has something going for him in a very interesting team. A team that a lot of people will set up and take notice on. Um, so, yeah, long may it continue. Uh, because I'd like to see him go to a bigger club. I'd like to see him stay in France. Um, and you can really do it if he puts in the sort of performance that he did at the weekend. I think with Udan, the thing also is that for all his talent, I don't think he fits the Hans style very well. Um, and like as you say, in all the players in Hans kind of know their job and do it very well. And in Udan's case, he's not, he doesn't really fit into the tactical. Um, model that Guillaume would like but he still gets to play because he's you know one of the most talented players and he can always grab a goal at some point um but yeah I've often felt like you know Hans really should try to get the money for him because that could be of more use than uh, a player who is good but doesn't really suit yeah their their tactics and you can kind of see that by the way that he's been playing in different positions kind of tried out as number 10 or on either wing and has always a little bit failed to convince and basically plays on the on the right wing by mm. default hoping that you know he can get something from his left foot um but yeah uh Reims still do well even even with that little problem i guess uh from there let's go down to montpellier uh montpellier who were up one nil for a very long time against psg until I messaged Philippe about it, and then PSG scored three goals. 
so Philippe, <laughs> it, it, it was still a little bit worrying for PSG, wasn't it, that they kind of took so long to wake up and, and concentrate? Yeah, the performances haven't been, haven't been very good since the Marseille win um, a, month, a month ago. Uh, against Nantes, it was shambolic. The first half was uh, very, very poor. The uh, goal was very good, of course. The Di Maria outside of the left foot and uh, the Madge from Mbappe. Montpellier was pretty much the same. I mean, Montpellier was was really uh, what what Montpellier are doing, which were basically basically they're, they're a very they're basically pain to play against. But uh, you know, they're doing they're doing their jobs their job correctly and um, professionally, should should we say, and uh, gave us. Gave us a real, real hard time, and uh, you know, uh, well, well done to them. And uh, yeah, it does seem like uh, it's uh, our star players are getting us out of jerseys uh, at this uh, at this moment in time. It's quite worrying, to be honest. Uh, we're not that far from uh, from the uh, from the Champions League uh, draw. I think it's next Monday, something like that. And and uh, yeah, it's it's. It just doesn't bode well. Like, it just doesn't feel like uh, the team are pulling. Everyone is pulling in the right direction. It looks like uh, when whenever things aren't going wrong, someone's turning to Neymar or someone's turning to Mbappe or Di Maria to just say, uh, "Look, we're one 0 down. We need we need your help." And then they say, "Oh, I'll help you." But that's that's basically it, which is quite worrying, I think. It doesn't really feel like there's a game plan, you know. Like it doesn't feel like Tuchel has a project for how PSG should be playing. I mean, maybe he does, and it's just not taking on well, right? But there is some questioning about him, and I wanted to ask you. You know, do you think he will still be there next season? Next season, uh, everything depends on what happens in in the Champions League. But <laughs> uh, unless unless we manage the semi final, which I just can't see it happening. Well, it depends who we get, of course. But uh, we're, we're so, I mean, our confidence is so shattered when it comes to uh, the first knockout stage um, that uh, it just it just doesn't feel like uh, it'll be it'll be the case. Maybe maybe uh, Al has already approached Pochettino for the next season as well. I I honestly don't know. I'm not an, an, a PSG ITK. I'm just a I'm, I'm just I'm just a fan, but. It just doesn't. It just doesn't look like uh, he'll be he'll be there to stay because he's not. Um, it's not really impressive the way. Uh, I think we all saw the uh, the short Twitter clip on the on the, uh, when he subbed Mbappe and Mbappe basically moped like a teenager. It just <laughs> speaks volumes of how how things are between between uh, the two of them. I mean, he's he's trying to discipline him. Um, sorry, Tuchel is trying to discipline Mbappe, and Mbappe is not uh, is not uh, happy about that. It doesn't seem like the dressing room is a, is a great place to be at this moment in time either. So, yeah, mm. to answer your question, no, I don't think he'll be there next season. Interesting. Uh, there was some more kind of non well off the pitch drama with uh, Andy Delors lecturing Neymar apparently as well, which. Uh, it was uh, 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 amusing to see. I was also a big fan, by the way, of of uh, Leandro Paredes's own goal, where he kind of punches it into the goal. I mean, he doesn't really know what's going on, but it just happens to hit his arm. Uh, but it, it looked uh, it, it looked spectacular, really. And it, that was the fourth own goal in the last three 
matches between Montpellier and PSG, which is also a surprising stat. Um, but yeah, it was the first time since 2015 that Paris won in Montpellier. Uh, so I guess there's a some kind of improvement there for, for PSG with regards to that kind of bogey stadium, I guess, because Montpellier have obviously caused PSG problems since long before uh, just 2015. Um, some of us still fondly remember the title season. Uh, shall we move on? Oh, PSG played Galatasaray, but they're still first. Uh, they're first no matter what in their group, so uh, not much really to say about that one. Uh, let's move on to Lille-Brest. Um Mo, a third 1-0 win in a row for Lille. Not bad, huh? Yeah, um, he sort of steadied the ship um, a little bit. Uh, before that, had only won once in October. Um, but again, save for that fantastic win in Lyon last week. Mm. It, yeah, it's, it's sort of par for the course, given their home record. And, and it's good to see Brest... Um, you know, despite a very tough fixture in Marseille last week, also giving it a right go. Yeah. Um, in in Lille, um, and and also to PSG as well the week before, um, at home, um, sorry, not the week before, the beginning of November, um, so that's three of you know big teams that they face, but they've really made a good account of themselves, and I think when you, when you look at that, you know, they they are favourites to stay up in the division and and really uh. Push, push on in the in the next round uh, of fixtures in 2020. Um, but you know, they all were cohesive. They were they were strongly. Philip probably had a second. Had they currently not missed a penalty in in the late stages, mm. um, and it's a good result. It's a result that moves them up to third um, ahead of the rest, um, which is exactly where they wanted to be. Exactly. Um, you know, pushing for the European places after what was a very nondescript Champions League campaign, but they are they are third, um, having I think won just once of their eight away games. They've got the best home record in the league, That's right. so it wasn't yeah. really a matter of surprise that they picked up another three points against the promoted side. Uh, but it was that pesky away record that. <laughs> It sort of still places question marks on you know, the aspirations uh, for the league this year. And uh, Renato Sanchez was was very good, wasn't he? It's his third start. Uh, it was his third start in a row for Lille, and he seemed to be getting better yeah, in every was, one of those. Yeah, he was popping everywhere. He was, yeah. You know, it really goes to show just how much confidence can really affect the players. Uh, yeah. So now he's you know this guy that's got a smile on his face playing football. He was peppering Lassano with a couple of chances. He was um, he probably should have picked up a goal himself as well. Um, but also coming in off the right, you know, he was very advanced. As yeah, it was you know perhaps not the case when he broke out at the Euros and and the season at Bayern. But he's now you know more comfortable playing in a, in a higher up midfield role. He's you know. Has has great connections with um, with the likes of uh, Ikone and uh, and Yudici as well when they're on the field at the same time. He is doing really really well. And he was also named in the team of the week at um, 
for, for the past uh, round of fixtures. So mm. it's it's all going well. And if those pieces of the jigsaw can really come together, then and also solve that issue that I just mentioned, um, they could be looking at a proper tilt um, once again for the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Victor Osimhen, the goal scorer, as you said, I really feel like if you can get the ball towards the six-yard box, um, not as a header, but kind of on the ground, there is not one defender who can get to that faster than Victor Osimhen, who is, you know, he's so good at those kind of scrappy goals uh, from, from just a few yards out. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, we should say, though, that on the other side, for Brest, Gauthier Larsonneur had a really good performance as well. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if we've talked about him much on the pod, He's now had several performances where he kind of made a lot of saves, uh, like uh, on Friday against Lille, including at some point he was coming back from an eye injury and he couldn't even see properly yet and was still out there in goal making saves. Uh, that was back in October, I think, uh, which was a very impressive feat. Uh, he's only 22 years old. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, got a bright future ahead, it seems like. Right, let's go through some of the other Ligue 1 fixtures uh, quickly from the weekend. Rennes-Angers 2-1. That's the third win, a r- win in a row for Rennes, who are now fourth in the league. Can you believe that? Um, it kind of feels like it came out of nowhere after the really tough start of the season they had. Um, record signing Rafinha with two assists again. He's been doing well in the last few weeks. Strasbourg 4, Toulouse 2. Seventh loss in a row for Toulouse. Um, yeah, they're going to go down. <laughs> and I think it really is just palliative care. I know it sounds horrible to say, but it's already at this point in the season, I really cannot see them. They've lost far more and conceded far more than any other team. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really at a critical point now. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Strasbourg games have been quite exciting in the last few weeks um the the yeah, last five matches have been center, yeah yeah last five matches have been a 4-2 a 5-0 a 2-1 a 4-0 and a 4-1 uh which you know they've lost some of those they've won some of those but uh there tends to be a lot of goals um uh on to the next one nice four mess one uh nice on the other hand this was their first time scoring four goals this season cyprien Wieland Cyprien scored twice, including a you know a classic Cyprien long shot. Uh, it's good for Nice to have him back on the score sheet, isn't it? Because he can uh, really bring something uh, to, to that side. The bad news, however, for Nice is the injury of Youssef Attal, who will be out for uh, four to five months. And guys, that's going to be a big loss for them in in you know in, in during that period of time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not only does it really put pay to any uh, transfers, but he seems like to be the massive spark uh, of attacking endeavor in that team, and it's 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 a great source of creativity that they will lose, especially since they like to play out wide. Um, it it really is a very disappointing sort of outcome, but you know, um, you know, these things happen, and good luck to him on his recovery, and I think he'll come back stronger for it. Monaco 3, Amiens nil. That's the second win in two for Monaco, who quietly, you know, kind of get some points there. Um, 
three goals in seven minutes, including one from Ben Yedder, but I don't know if there's much else to say about this one. And finally, not one Dijon nil, Ludovic Blas with the winner there. Right, let's go on to uh, the Coupe de France. There was no Ligue 2 uh, over the weekend because of the cup matches. Did you guys have a favorite uh, result or fixture from the weekend? I wanted to go to Nortel versus um, Bastia Borgo because it's just down the road from where I live, but I couldn't because of the strikes. Uh, oh, a bit, a bit pissed off about <laughs> this. And actually, I'm going, I'm going to Peugeot Galatasaray on Wednesday, and I'll probably have to take a cab to and from from the game. It's really, I mean, this is basically uh, doing a little uh, analysis about uh, how things are in France at the moment. It's very, very hard to actually uh, do anything if you don't have a car. And actually, if you if you do have a car, things are very, very, very tough at, the, at this moment in time too. Bastia Borgo won the game, by the way. Uh, indeed, they did. How about you, Mo? Um, it was the team uh, that beat Lens, although Lens, although the, the the name escapes me. Yeah. Uh, yes, I like yeah. a big giant killing. It was a fifth Ooh, division side. Massive giant killing. That yeah, that's knocked out a second division team um and there'll be obviously the draws being made tonight um yeah and there are a couple of fantastic fixtures um that have the potential for an upset hopefully one or two go on then which ones are you excited about uh well psg have been drawn against um i think i've mispronounced that name but it's the club where in the paris region that uh tongi on dumbele had yeah. Passed through as a, as a kid oh. um, and received 300,000 euros um, when he made the move from Lyon to Tottenham. So the I'd like to know where, where that game is being played. Yeah, I mean, it might be probably Stade Charlotte or somewhere nearby or Jean Bois. Oh. Um, I suppose, because obviously That's it's, it's a away game in the Paris region. <laughs> yeah, um, it's going to be an away game for, for everyone, I think. Exactly. Um, so I suppose it'll be somewhere there, but. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a fantastic sort of local derby. I think they are, aside from their eighth division team, that's qualified. Um, second or third lowest team in the in the cup. Um, you've also got Trelisac oh, wow. OM, who. Yeah. Trelisac have played OM. Uh, this will be the third time this decade. No um, way. Yeah, they Trilisac. played in the cup in 2010. Um, I don't and even know what that is. It was a fixture renowned for um, for Stephen Fletcher, who, until I recognised the name of the opponent, I completely forgot I played for Marseille. But it was the game that he made his debut and scored against in the French Cup in 2016. Uh, I, t- I tell you what, um, um, on the on the preview show the other day, they were talking about English players or British players who had played in Ligue 1, and someone brought up Stephen Fletcher. Yeah. And I had to look it up because I have no yeah. memory of him playing for I, I I completely forgot myself. It seemed like a long time ago, but <laughs> he did. I think it's because I think it's because that season was so terrible. It wasn't that it wasn't that long ago, was it? It was, it was three years ago. It was three years, years, three years, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three years ago. It was literally leading up to the Euros. Um <laughs> it really was not a long time ago, but I've completely blocked out of my mind because Marseille won just one game. In the time that he was in Scot uh, in France, and it wasn't his fault, you know, he he was, um, you know, he had to be signed because they had no 
power up front, you know, just Michi Bashawai was the only attacker. And, you know, he started the French Cup final against Paris Saint-Germain in a season <gasps> where Ibrahimovic scored 50 goals. Oh, my God. Uh, exactly. Wow. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It, it, I think I've just blocked the memory out uh, because I went just one once in, in that sequence. It was against Angers on May the 1st, a game that confirmed that he wouldn't be relegated. So that's all I can remember. You've that got Atletico Marseille playing too, Mo, if you're interested. Yes, I guess for dead. Yes, for dead. Oh, that's yeah. a fun one. Yeah. yeah. I'm just that's looking a, through a little nice bit. Ones. Very nice ones. Reims Saint-Anne, who are the second team in, in Reims, they're in sixth division. They, they're still in it. They're playing against, yeah. uh, where was it? I think they're playing Montpellier. Yeah. Uh, I, would have, I would have liked to have seen uh, an ultramarine side uh, play. Mm. Um, Against the League One team, as was the case when Lille played Excelsior, I think it was in 2016 or 17. Mm. Uh, both Dimitri Payet's old club, so it would have been nice. I don't know what the rule is for a um, for an overseas side to host. I think a game in the French Cup, or do they just play? I think home there's a rule outside? that this happened last year, right? That uh, starting from the round of 64, yeah. which is what's going to happen in January, all yeah. matches have to be played in metropolitan France. Oh, well, that's not fun. I was really um, looking forward to Marseille traveling to Reunion because they were in the same, they were in the same pool uh, to be drawn from. Um, but yeah, I don't think that would be the case. It would have been a nice trip in yeah. January, I suppose. Because it happened, I think it was last season, right? There was a team from, uh, from Martinique, I believe, and they were desperately looking for a stadium in France, which they could play their match in. Um, it was one or the other, either Guadeloupe or Valentini, but they, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame, I, um, but yeah, anyways. Uh, let's talk about some transfer stories, uh, because with the, with the January transfer window uh, coming up, there's been some news in the last few days. First of all, uh, one confirmed signing for Nice, who have signed Danish left-back, uh, Riza Dermisi, uh, I think he played at the World Cup. Um, they signed him on loan from Lazio Rome. Uh, so he'll be available from January 1st. Uh, does anybody, is anyone familiar with him? Um, he was linked with OM uh, last summer when they were desperately looking for a left back. I think he hasn't really had the best mm. uh, opportunities in uh, in Europe. You know, he was at Betis a couple of years ago, but um, at Lazio he really just very rarely played. Um, so I mean, you know, but Nice are desperate for a left back, so exactly, you know exactly, exactly. Yeah. But he, he actually did, he didn't make the final twenty three for the World Cup. Um, he was oh, really? one of the players that got a cut, but um, okay, yeah, it's I, I guess it's it's a squad player. It's a squad player that can come in and do a job. He's come for a from a bigger club uh, in Syria. So, you know, there's not really a lot that you can go wrong from that transfer, I hope. Um, next story is that uh, there was some interest the other day. Well, apparently, Olivier Giroud has been in contact with Inter Milan, which has been a kind of persisting story. Obviously, he played for Antonio Conte at Chelsea. Um, but I think... I brought this up a few weeks ago, and I think it was uh, Clinton who said, or maybe Adrien, I don't remember, 
who said that it would be unwise to go to Inter because they do have two strikers performing well at the moment, right? They have Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez and maybe even someone else. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but it doesn't seem to me like if he's looking for playing time, I don't know if this is the best place for him to go, even though he's... Absolutely not, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be. I think it wouldn't be a sort of a top, an A club, as I'd like to put it. It would be somewhere... You know, the second, third, fourth teams um, in in the top five European leagues somewhere to go and uh, get some playing time. Inter are flying, you know, they're top or top of Syria. Um, like you mentioned, with two strikers who are really gunning for it. Um, he needs minutes, so I think he might be well versed in looking further down the rank. Um, you know, I don't know, someone like Roma or Lazio, even or. Or Napoli, who seems to be in a bit of a shambles lately, and that might work. And another international um, in lack of playing time is Thomas Lemar from Atletico. And there's a story today, even though there's not many details come through, but there's a story that Atletico are ready to, you know, let him move on to a next club. Well, I'll tell you what, and I'll say it, it's it's the 9th of December, and I'll say it if you know, Lemar has been poor. Um, this season and and definitely not doesn't seem to be insinuating his plans. At the end of the rank, you've got Dimitri Payet, who's been absolutely fantastic and I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Making, <laughs> customarily making his um, you know pre international tournament right race back into form. I'm going to call it and I'm going to say Dimitri Payet is going to go to the Euro. Okay. As long as he keeps injury free this time. And, you know, I, I, I doubt that we can question his consistency because it's the, it's the third, it will be the third international tournament in the row where he's really ramped things up. Um, and it will be, um, I won't be surprised because you've got, you know, France's wingers are not exactly, you know, flying at the moment. Uh, mm. Goman and, 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 and Lemar and Fekir, I think, will, will be a play that could be dropped um, if need be. Yeah. And you've got Dimitri Pai with all that experience and with all that tenacity and quality. It's just whether he's on it or not. And so far for the past six months, coincidentally, the, the, the Play of the Month awards came out, the nomination, and he wasn't on it. And I found that, you know, he wasn't. bias aside, he wasn't on it. And I find that bias aside, you know, a travesty because he's been <laughs> absolutely fantastic. And I will say it, I think, and I think Deschamps knows it as well. And Deschamps has been begging for him, basically for a reason to call him into the squad. It's coming. March, the next international squad, is a long way away. Um, but if there happened to be an international now, um, Pai would be in the squad. And I think he's, he's on a great track. It's been four, five or six games he's been back now since he returned from suspension. And he's barely had a poor one since the PSG game in late October. Um, mm. So I will say, Lemar being relatively crap has come at a perfect time. It for put the a, a smile on Sorry. Yeah. It put a yeah. smile on your face. It did a little bit because I would love to see <laughs> Pai. And obviously, like yeah, last night we had Pai against Cassia, only two players who really should have been World Cup winners um, in a parallel universe. They probably are. Um, and they were very unlucky in 2018. Um, now, we didn't talk about this 
We didn't talk about this when we did the Marseille versus Bordeaux review, but Payet did play as a forward, force nine. He played centre forward. Yeah. And yeah. replaced Valère Germain, Valère Germain, who was booed unfairly, in my opinion. But this is something mm. that you know it, it struck me. But I don't, I don't get to watch Marseille often because I don't have the right channel for it. Um, but this struck me as, hey, you know, th this could be something. That's me. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um it's just I mean it's always because Benedetto was was out injured and Gemma is uh, well uh, not very popular never never has been never will be you know, even if he scores a hat trick three weeks on end. Poor Germain. Um, so yeah, Pay as a as a centre forward, why not? Let's do it. As a false night, yeah. I mean he's yeah. he's just got he's got a massive footballing brain and I think his football IQ yeah, yeah, yeah. It's far ahead of most players in the world, like the vast majority. And that's just not me being, you know, just a Marseille fan. Everyone knows just how, you know, when, when he plays, how creative he is. I mean, the stats say themselves as well. An amazing stat a couple of nights ago where he's created more, he's created, I think, 12 more chances for West Ham than any West Ham player in the last, Five years, considering he left thirty-five months ago. Still, you know, That's it's it's, mm. it's remarkable. He's an absolutely fantastic player, and it's <laughs> good to see him um, playing playing as 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 well he has as he has. So, um, yeah, I've called it. I'm, I think he's going to go to the Euro, and I think it'll be his last chance. And I hope it will be. Um, I hope he makes a difference. Yeah, I, I agree with you um, because. Even though those positions on the wings can be so competitive for the French team because of how many players, uh, you know, have the level to be there, it just happens that a lot of them are not in a really good position at the moment, either because of injuries like Tovin or Ousmane Dembele, or they're just uh, not playing or, or slightly underperforming, like Le Mar, like even um, Anthony Martial a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a golden opportunity for Payet, but, you know, who knows? Things can change quickly as well uh, between now and uh, and the Euro. Uh, it, it would be quite funny if he did make it, though. Um, he does like those even years. Um, the final story for today, well, it's uh, just a little update from over in China, really, because uh, Bruno Genesio has been uh, handed a 12-month extension to his contract managing Beijing Guan. Um, they finished second this season. So he's uh, enjoying it over there, I imagine. Good for Bruno. Anyways, that's all from us today. For all the latest French football news, you can follow us on Twitter at GFFN or check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. Thank you as always for listening and we'll talk to you next week.